So that's what this is. I mentioned um, in the newsletter about um, spending some time uh, practicing with the Zen precepts. So I'm going to give a talk today and probably next fortnight um, on the precepts. And um, the, um, the, the word precept means kind of a, a rule, a rule around uh, how we behave, what our conduct, our thinking. And um, the, the notion of precepts in Buddhism came from very early Buddhism where um, they, uh, the original uh, idea of um, establishing a community living in a kind of monastic uh, environment where the monks would uh, 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 become home leavers and, uh, and they would um, become totally dependent upon the for their food uh, on the, 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 the community of local farmers, etc., who would, uh, so the monks would go around begging with their bowls, and the, the community would provide them with the food, and there was a sense in which the, uh, there was an interdependence, interrelationship between those two communities, so the monks would inspire and support the, the local population, the local population. And, um, I'll talk a bit more about that next time. But um, it's important that um, when we, uh, the, uh, all these, these kind of rules that still exist, called the vinya in, uh, in monastic communities, um, the, in the Zen tradition they were formalized into um, um, ten basic precepts. Um, and uh, by Dogen, Japanese Zen teacher, in the 13th century. And um, it's very important that, uh, and Dogen was very clear about this, not to take the uh, precepts as, as, as rules, um, not as a thou shalt do this or do not do that. Um, and um, in some of the translations of the precepts, they might say, uh, like, no killing, no stealing. And, um, well, and, and, and Dogen's take on this idea of um, the no was really about, in the universal mind of, of compassion that we all participate in, um, there is no violence, there is no killing, there is no stealing. and. Uh, and our practice is to join with that universal mind. And, um, and in the spirit of that, I think a more contemporary kind of, um, um, inspired by my teacher, Barry Majid, um, we can even uh, take this a step further. Um, so, in the... Uh, in the West, there's been a quite a, um, a, um, a flowering, if you like, of mindfulness practice in a, in a secular, non-religious context. And, um, and that's been going on now for about 30 years. And, um, and over the past, which has entered into the psychology profession as well, and then over the past 
five or ten years, there's been an, uh, another wave uh, known as self-compassion, which has also entered into the secular mindfulness movement. And um, I'd like to propose that uh, we can understand, one way of understanding the traditional, these traditional precepts is, is, uh, is that we can practice them as a form of, of self-compassion. And, um, and that's what I'm going to be proposing over this week and the next fortnight. And that we can take up the practice of precepts as, a, as the practice of self-compassion. So, um, you know, in my, in my um, uh, life as a, as a householder and a family person and also as a professional, um, you know, it's very common to meet people who are either, who have been affected by violence in this world uh, in one form or another. And uh, we see it daily on our TV screens, but... Um, we, um, um, you know, if you would, you know, I'm sure that all of us uh, have, in some way, been affected by some forms of violence uh, in our lives, and um, and violence injures and hurts people, and um, and it's very common to find people who sometimes um, either sometimes turn that violence towards themselves. Um, or even um, um, lose all faith in, in, in humanity as a result of that violence. And I think it's a very uh, central part of our practice to find a way of affirming uh, our faith in humanity and our ability to say yes to life. And um, for our, our practice um, to be seen as both a uh, uh, the, 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 the compassion which is, flows to ourselves through self-compassion also flows through to others. And um, remembering from the Zen perspective, from the absolute perspective, there is no separation, there is no them and us. There's just one, one common humanity. And uh, how we can, if we can bring some sense of uh, that... Uh, peace and sanity within our own lives, then that naturally flows on to others. In terms of how we practice, I want, uh, that's interesting, I, um, I, I posted a quote by a, um, uh, a quite a well-known teacher in the Theravadan Buddhist tradition, the Thai Buddhist tradition, on Facebook. And the quote was, I'll just read out the quote to you. Your real home is not the house you live in, but the stillness and peace in your heart. So that's look, that's 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 nice, and that that expresses something that um, is uh, you know fundamental to the this Buddhist notion of home leaving in the in the in the monastic tradition, where the monk uh, gives up all sense of possessions. Uh, in order to leave this um, this this life of um, taking refuge in um, in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and um, and hence um, there's no identification of home as being a particular place necessarily, but 
something that's within the heart, and that, that's that's fine. That's a that's a that's a lovely and that's a fine understanding of Buddhist practice. Um, but my, my teacher, um, Barry Majid, who lives in in New York, uh, in his own inimitable style, commented on my post, and this was his um, um, this was his comment. Mm. My real home is a messy and noisy world, which I am not separate from. The peace in my heart comes only when I stop trying to create an inner refuge from life as it is. That's um, a kind of like Barry trying to express the Zen understanding, um, which fits actually quite well with self-compassion practice. Um, there's, there's, there's a tendency or there is a possibility if we, uh, in the first quote I gave, we can almost set up some sense of um, duality um, between the kind of messy world that we live in and the peace and stillness which is our true home. Um, and sometimes there can be that in, in the traditional Buddhist tradition, this sort of almost like a, a separation from delusion and enlightenment. A sense in which we kind of like through our practice, through following the precepts, through being a good person, through purification, we move through the, the various delusions and ignorance and, and towards an enlightened mind. In, in, in the Zen practice, it's more that um, in the enlightened mind, there is no delusion or enlightenment. Um, from the perspective of the Absolute, there's no delusion, there's no enlightenment. And even from the relative perspective, um, we can also see that delusion and enlightenment are not separate. So. It's not so much in our practice, how this relates to our practice is that we don't have to strive to find some ideal place of stillness or peace within ourselves. Rather we cultivate, we just need to cultivate our awareness, our loving awareness of, of what is this moment. We're not necessarily trying to change this moment in any way, but just to meet this moment with acceptance and compassion. Our minds um, and are often not going to be still and peaceful, um, or often going to be full of anxiety, or a depressed mood, or um, a worried mood. Um, so we're not, in our practice, in our Zen practice, we're not trying to fix that. We're not trying to move from this state of a, a mind which is suffering to a mind which is not suffering. We try to enter into the direct uh, reality of this moment with a loving awareness and a calm acceptance. Of that which already is, and uh, and that in in a way that's the that's the practice of um, self compassion. Um, uh, 
I want to um, just read you out. Um, there's a um, Christopher Germer and Kristen Neff have been uh, two psychologists in the United States who have been working on self-compassion practice. And um, these are the kind of definitions of self-compassion and mindfulness. It's quite interesting. The, the foundation of self-compassion is mindfulness, followed by the intention and effort to soothe and comfort oneself. Self-compassion has three core components, mindfulness, kindness, and that sense of our common humanity, our interconnectedness. Mindfulness is about acceptance of moment-to-moment -moment experience. Self-compassion is about soothing and comforting the experiencer in the midst of suffering. Mindfulness asks, what am I experiencing right now? And self-compassion asks, what do I need right now? Mindfulness says, open to your suffering with affectionate awareness. And self-compassion says, be kind to yourself when you are suffering. Mindfulness asks, can you make room for that experience? And mindful self-compassion asks, can you hold that experience and yourself in loving awareness? So in our practice, um, we're wanting to cultivate this quality of loving awareness that we bring either to our, you know, to both our physical sensations, if, if, if there's some pain and discomfort going on in our body, but also to the psychological pain or discomfort that we may be experiencing. <clears throat> it's very important to make a distinction between self-compassion and affirmations. In, in an affirmation, we're trying to change something by repeating an affirmation. In self-compassion practice, we're not trying to create a special um, state of mind or any particular outcome. We're actually just practicing being here and now with whatever state of mind we are in. And it doesn't matter what that state of mind is, each state of mind, if we meet it with awareness, is that entry into the present moment and ultimately into healing and wholeness. The more we can be with our pain and our psychological distress, with a sense of loving awareness, just bringing that awareness to it, and just allowing ourselves to feel it rather than push it away or try and escape from it. I mean, in, in that first quote about, you know, finding a you know, stillness and peace within our heart or some sense of refuge. It was quite common sometimes for Western people to go to monasteries. It was almost like, a, in some ways, they were trying to escape from some of the stuff that was going on within their own lives and the kind of psychological work that we need to do. And with the self-compassion practice, it's like, exploring what's underneath the anger or the resentment. What are the needs that were not met by our caregiving environment? And how can we then give ourselves that, what we need? So we want to uncover our psychological pain, the stuff that we've pushed away, 
we don't want to try and escape from it and create some ideal place of, of stillness and peace. And um, so next week I will um, go through the, the precepts uh, in a bit more detail and about how we can use them as a next fortnight, as a form of um, self-compassion practice. In, the, uh, in our third sitting period today, in our final sitting period, we'll also do an, an exercise in, uh, in self-compassion and you can explore uh, this kind of practice a bit more. Okay, um, I think I'll leave it there for today. Mm-hmm.